welcome everybody to a special podcast episode screening in Kingston as we are talking about Star Trek Picard, the season uh, finale, season one finale uh, ended about a week ago. So I have brought back our Star Trek correspondent, fresh uh, survivor of being stuck in tunnels and subways in Toronto, Tyler Vance. How are you, Tyler? Oh, I'm doing well. I'm no longer stuck in the subways. I'm now just stuck in my own home. Did you catch the fan questions where people were actually concerned that you were actually stuck? Yeah, yeah, I did. And so I was I was hearing them as they came out, and I was thinking, oh, it's nice to know people care about me. Yeah. And then I got the email from you that I didn't know at the time you were writing live. We were live, you were recording yeah. The yeah. <laughs> yeah, while we were recording, we wrote you a live, are you, are you alive? <laughs> yeah, and so I just responded, and then like a week later I'm listening to the podcast, I'm like, oh, that's funny, they wrote it, I'm like... I'm pretty sure I answered within the hour, yes, and then sure did. enough, it comes up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, what? I'm glad to see you're you're out of there. I mean, you came out of the the subway tunnels into the COVID nineteen situation. Um, so I don't know uh, if, if if I don't think that had happened before <laughs> you went down into the subway. So no, welcome no, welcome to I'm... your new reality. <laughs> no, I can definitely say though that I would prefer to be dealing with COVID nineteen out of the subways, which has oh, been a nice sure. nice thing about living uh, is about working from home now, mm-hmm. so that I don't have to take the TTC. Yeah. like try to effectively hold my breath for 50 minutes well and it's good that you're able to work from home i mean that's that's good like anyone who's able to work from home even a lot of the things i do i can work from home so it's been nice it's it's hasn't been too disruptive but it's it's tough for a lot of people out there right now it's uh and there's no real end in sight there's been a lot of projections and thoughts as to where things could go but i think we're all kind of trying to find a new normal right now um, so we're, we're all kind of in that boat together, but we, we want to bring people some distraction and I gotta say, there's nothing more distracting to me, good or bad than Star Trek in general. I don't know how you feel about that, but Star Trek to me is the ultimate distraction. Yeah. So it has been consistently like the Star Trek movies have consistently been my sick movies yeah. throughout my entire life. Like whenever I get sick, I just throw on the original series movies. It's yeah. like, and they're always great. Couldn't and agree more. it's like, in these times, I have been turning to Star Trek, um, specifically the Next Generation. It's like um, possibly to get a certain other show out of out of my mouth. <laughs> yes. as, uh, as a case, so. I'm I'm <laughs> doing a I'm doing a TNG rewatches right now. I'm on season four. Um, oh, nice! I'm just after uh, just after Best of Both Worlds and Family. So oh, uh, I I believe I'm around uh, where Vosh returns. Uh, uh-huh. Cupid, the episode Cupid. Um, and, and the, the, the whole crew becomes the Robin Hood for Q's amusement. <laughs> so I yeah, think, I think yeah, I'm around I, there. <laughs> yeah. My, like I've been, my wife hasn't seen it before. So we've been watching it as we've gone it's like through. And so we were just watching, um, it was like an episode with Q and she was like, what is this guy's deal? I'm like, oh, he's just generally, <laughs> he just generally doesn't like you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just, well, that you, you find out a lot about his deal, <laughs> but yeah. he's a, yeah, he's a, he's an interesting creature. Yes. He, he just shows up periodically and he's pretty much like the personification of an internet troll before oh, there was an internet troll. Without a doubt. <laughs> yeah. And he just like shows up and just kind of like causes ha- as a havoc and it's, yeah. Yeah, we'll see if he shows up at some point, and uh, it's like if they keep on doing these Star Trek Picard and Discovery shows, which 
I imagine like they will. Yeah, they will because this is the thing. Okay, this is the thing, and this is this bothers me about everything. I mean, it's good for a for a lot of things where we are in television right now. But one of the things that bugs me is because of the internet and because of social media and because of streaming, it's easier for people to tell what shows are popular and getting views and getting talked about, whether it's good or bad. So shows being canceled that are on streaming platforms will almost never happen. Whereas shows that used to be part of that stupid box that seven people had, that the only way you get your Nelson ratings, whatever, that's why like a show like Enterprise, I think was canceled before it should have been. And even the original Star Trek where you you don't have the advantage that Picard does where they probably have closer to hard numbers where they can see people on streaming or at least how many people are buying the streaming service because it's so connected to CBS All Access. So I don't think Picard or Discovery is going anywhere. No matter how yeah, bad yeah. it gets. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it, it shocks me whenever I re I'm reminded that the original series only had three seasons. Three seasons, so like, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy to think about considering that as like, even some of the less beloved Star Trek series still go on for way beyond that now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it was kind of a standard seven seasons. Like, TNG set the bar of we're going to yeah. go seven seasons, and both Voyager and Deep Space Nine followed suit. Um, and I just, I don't know. I mean, Discovery is going to probably go until we're dead um, yeah. <laughs> because that's just the way life works. Um, and I think we've, I mean, we're, I'm trying to delay talking about Star Trek Picard as much as I can, because I just don't want to get so angry, but I gotta say, like, I'm thoroughly disappointed in Star Trek Picard season one, like having watched it week to week. Now you binged it. Yeah, it was a very different experience. Okay. It's like it's the difference yeah, between kind of like taking a nice as like a like stroll like every like as opposed to doing like running a marathon. It yes. was a, a very different style of watching. But yeah. in some ways I think it was almost the, the better way to do it. Because, That's what I was wondering actually. Because I'm yeah. wondering if, if your method because you pretty much binged Star Trek Picard whereas I watched it on a week to week basis. I think you might have had probably a bit of a better experience than me. Yeah, it was it's like it was something to be said about like because every episode is not necessarily very connected to the one before. It isn't like our usual like Netflix setup where they yeah. actually have like a very like A to B to C to D. It's like there are more episodic episodes, ones mm -hmm. that kind of like go off and let's explore this random thing over yeah. here. Or this it's like, but at the same time, I think being able to actually watch it all as a co as, like, as a collective whole. It really gave me a good feeling of how the trajectory of this thing was as it was going. And I think we'll both be in agreement that the trajectory was a downward, almost spiraling sort of trajectory. I 100% um... agree. Because <laughs> listen, <laughs> yeah. I, I, will, I, want, I want you to reiterate to me what you said um, what you said to me before we started recording, because I think you, you in a very, as usual, in a very poetic way, explained your feeling from start to finish. But I do want to say, I started off with the first episode of this thinking, okay, there's potential here. You know, there, there's there's potential. I'm I'm liking snippets of what I'm seeing. Uh, the very way I feel about even Discovery from the beginning and kind of the last season of Game of Thrones. On paper, this looks great, but can you execute it? Is the problem. So, and that's that's the problem. But anyway, if you can just explain your your thought process from the beginning of the series to the end. Yeah, so definitely when I started, I had a similar feeling in terms of the potential. There was potential here. And as every episode progressed, I went through these, like, kind of, like, what I call, like, Tyler's ambivalencies. Like, I just had, 
exceptionally strong positive but also exceptionally strong negative feelings and it would like oscillate back and forth sometimes there'd be you'd be like just riding this big high and then it would suddenly come crashing down but there was always something to kind of keep me on the positive end and on the negative end i was going back and forth to figure (laughs) it out and then eventually as the show progressed all the way down to the final episode where i literally don't think i think i can say two good things about the last episode you can say two good things i'm really impressed (laughs) yeah i think i've got two i've got i've got two it's like um but at that point we had pretty much it's like gone so far and it was unfortunate because like i've been talking to is like my wife was the only person i talked to nowadays because we're trapped in the house together yeah, yeah. and um it's like she is like uh, all the way up like certain certain point and so she, last time she had checked in when I, in my binging I, like, I was actually like no i hadn't figured it out. i was kind of positive kind yeah. of negative yeah and then she came back from a walk after like the last episode and the dynamic shift in my tone and the amount of curse words I was using <laughs> basically she was like so this was really bad then I'm like oh yeah, yeah. well okay so I'm glad you you've had someone to rant to because I'm gonna say right now this podcast and you are who I'm ranting to so you're gonna I haven't had the I don't have anyone in my life who's that big on Star Trek like my parents like Star Trek and started yeah. watching Picard at the beginning so I spoke to them a little bit about my feelings about the beginning episodes but they haven't mm. caught up yet um no. they, they were waiting to binge it actually because they were sick and tired of watching it week to week they want to binge the whole thing um so which yeah. they can do on crave and that type of thing so i i definitely um i will definitely warn you and all our fans <laughs> listening um I, you, this is my first opportunity to rant about the some of these things coming. the storm is coming and i yeah. i will do my best to censor myself but if a couple swears get out there i apologize it might happen um, okay, yeah. how I'd like to do this is, is I don't, um, I don't want to be as structured as to walk through every single episode necessarily in order, but okay. what I do, I do want to talk about the, the pilot first, and I want to talk okay. about the world it's set up, and then let's just sort of walk through as we want to and as we discover different things within the episodes, and then we'll talk about the finale and kind of get there. Um, I, I do want to talk about the, the pilot and, and the world that they've sort of created, um, cause right off the bat, I, I have some mixed feelings, but again, the potential is there. Um, yeah. so I want to, I want to kick things off with, so for people who are kind of maybe just wanting to get into Picard or they're not sure yet, it, it is Patrick Stewart. He is playing Jean-Luc Picard from the movies. Notice how I say from the movies, not, uh, <laughs> an not, an not important distinction, yes. important distinction that this is the Picard character from the four TNG movies, not yep. from the TV series. No. Um, and this is what, what they set up from the beginning is something has happened, which you do, you do get revealed, um, as to what happened, but something has happened and he has left Starfleet. He is living back in his vineyard, his rebuilt vineyard, um, because it caught fire in the first, uh, TNG movie generations. Yep. So it's a rebuilt vineyard in, in his kind of where he grew up and he's living with, with, uh, Romulan servants um who i guess yeah, that was a surprise friend. yeah like that that right off the bat made me go wait what <laughs> like well, like kind of in a good way though yes. it's like that's like a lean-in moment of like yeah. really yeah why are there yeah yeah do tell and see that's that's the thing that i actually the only thing and this is the only thing i will give to alex kurtzman and his his writing team uh, is that of, a quotation? Yes, the writing? writing team. His his brainstorm group, whoever the heck they are. Um, mm-hmm. 
the only thing I will say that I've liked about how they've handled things is in Star Trek 2009, I liked that idea of we want to do a reset, but we're going to basically create a parallel universe. And here's this event, the Romulan star goes supernova. What I like about that is it reminded me in parallel when the, um, the Klingon moon Praxis was destroyed. Yep. And you, it saw a shift in the way the Klingons for the rest of the series were viewed. They became allies to the Federation. There were still a lot of cool things in there, but you sort of like shifted and learned a lot more about Klingon culture. So what I liked about that was, okay, you're taking probably the next biggest villain in, in the Alpha Quadrant group mm -hmm. in, and, and basically saying, okay, their, their world's gone. They're refugees. That's interesting to me. That's yeah. like, okay, there's lots of different directions you can go in. So this takes place in the prime timeline. So it's not the Calvin timeline. It's the prime timeline after those events have happened. The, the sun's gone supernova. Uh, and the Romulans are basically ref refugees, and something has happened that made Picard kind of leave the Federation. So if I said that to you on paper, you'd be like, cool. That's interesting, yeah. right? Like, I, I mean, that's at least how I was feeling at the beginning, is as this was being presented, I'm like, okay, yeah, like, he was involved somehow. Of course he would be captaining the Enterprise. He's always had a history with Romulans. Interesting, right? Mm -hmm. But... <laughs> then we get into some <laughs> then we get into some weird things. So he, so right off the bat with the pilot, the thing that I, I didn't like, I don't agree with the way they have decided to show the future now. I think it goes against what they built up in many series for Star Trek, where now what, because this happened, I understand the argument for some people saying, well, why would we help the Romulans? Like, they present they present this kind of conflict in the show of Picard wants to help people, and then this incident happens where synthetic life forms, which we'll get to in a second, attack the Utopia Planitia yards, and suddenly, you know, people are like, well, why would we help the Romulans? We need to help ourselves. Why would the Federation still support them? Blah, blah, blah. But what I don't understand is why does it turn the Federation worlds into xenophobes which is something that has not really been presented like the whole idea of picard versus the federation i can get on board for that's been tng's bread and butter is, yeah, is it's, it's picard versus the evil admiral of the week i yeah. can get on board for that i get it but what i don't understand is in the future where we've eliminated we in canon eliminated things of of prejudging judging based on race and gender and, and culture it's accepting why suddenly you can accept that people just become f-bombing xenophobes <laughs> yeah there's like yeah so the, that's definitely something to come back to too is the is like the f-bomb drops that we get throughout the course of from the, from, the show, from mainly this one admiral lady yeah. <laughs> who yeah. like <laughs> hates picard so much that she just swears at him constantly and you know who she is she was on the enterprise as some random crew member oh that would make sense like, she's like maybe she didn't like him back then yeah the character like, getting it all out yeah the character was like an ensign who would replace you know how like you know data would beam down and then someone would just like take his spot obviously which is always funny because they're just like standing there they were waiting, waiting. they like, were waiting and the person's just standing <laughs> yeah. off the corner like i had my time to shine yeah and you know what you know what's funny about tng is they actually did that better in the first season where there'd be a gap 
So Data would leave, and like season one, Data would leave, and then like 30 seconds later, someone would come and take his spot, as if he like beeped a button saying, okay, I'm leaving, someone needs to come replace me, and then they like, but then later in the series, they just got like, no, they're right here. They're ready. They're ready. They're ready to go. So that random admiral who just swears constantly for no reason at, at Picard <laughs> it's just like what is happening here like what is so you you brought up actually what I would call like as like my first ambivalence this was like something that I was actually like struggling with a lot was this idea of optimism of the future being like a quintessential part of Star Trek yes so like for the longest time since like from since its inception Star Trek's major difference from every other science fiction outfit has basically been that it looks at not just necessarily the future as a whole, but as humanity with a positive outlook. And I would argue, I would argue that even though some people have said different shows or whatever have, have things, I would argue they've kept that relatively consistent. Yeah, so like I would say, I would say so as well. Like that, like that, the way that at least like humanity at this point has achieved some sort of heightened enlightenment. It's like, and usually with especially the episodic shows like TNG and TOS. Like that's the next generation, yes. the original series, really yeah. respectively. It's like they would basically go to planets that are broken, yeah. and they would it's like, and they were broken in a particular way that is reminiscent of our present. And and then and we would be able to watch like that enlightened yeah. disposition interact and with it's like our broken present. The idea of prejudice or racism was so alien to them that they knew about their history. Like, Star Trek's always been good. They've known about human history. You, you know, you, if you're doomed, you're doomed to repeat it if you, don't, if you don't learn from it. And Star Trek did a great job. But there's great episodes, especially in the original series. Um, I don't know if you remember, I can't remember the name of it, but you remember the episode they run into Abraham Lincoln? Yeah. So yeah, Abraham Lincoln says to O'Hara a bit of a, you know, a, basically a derogatory term um, yeah. because she, she's black. But she reacts in a way that's like, well, wait, well, like, why would that? Because he says, like, I, oh, I, I'm sorry, I, I don't mean to offend you. It's just the term of, of my time period. And she says, well, why would that term offend me? I like yeah. she's so far detached from that time period, and that's that's the optimism of the future that people don't hold things against each other anymore. They've they've all learned and evolved, and it's so far in our past that the idea of it is alien, which makes going to those planets interesting because you you have. Picard or Kirk leading a team and they're so enlightened that that everything that's done on this planet which is probably happening it's usually a lens for what's going on in our society almost entirely yeah yeah as a kid as I'm watching that I was like yeah that is dumb why would people fight over really stupid things that's what Star Trek yeah. taught me was you can be better than that it, it is silly it seems weird um and that's been something that's very consistent in Star Trek yeah so, but as like so the so that's definitely like in the way that I would say like the the negative aspect of like stripping Star Trek, Star Trek of its optimism is this that like you kind of lose the thing that made it different the thing that made it kind of like a an enjoyable thing to watch was actually seeing our future in a positive light yeah which you know might have actually worked better at this moment is like of, uh, of uncertainty <laughs> of being able to look back and say like well maybe things will work out all right yes. the the one thing that I would push back on a little bit is that like I don't think that um. Is like, so one thing that Star Trek has kind of dealt with, though, is like is actually personal prejudices based not off of race, but based off of previous hostility. So if you look experiences, at experiences, like, yeah, the, yeah. So if you look at like the Undiscovered Country, is like the the sixth movie in the Star Trek thing, which is about their interaction with the Klingons. 
it is actually you can look at it and almost say that some of the people like that are showing something that you could say like racism or prejudice, but it's because they've actually been dealing with these people as enemies their entire life and they don't know how to interact with them the same way they treat everybody else. But don't you think that a lot of that comes from from Kirk? So Kirk in that movie has had personal experiences with Klingons where like time I mean spoilers to movies that have existed for a very long time they killed his son yeah um they they've constantly caused his crew issues and and he's i understand that on a human level an individual 100 percent still has those feelings of like listen like that's why the the conversation one of my favorite conversations in star trek i love it is when you have two opposing sides and they don't tell you which one's right when kirk and spock are arguing about Spock saying we have to save the Klingons or else they'll die, and Kirk basically says let them die. But let them die. It's yeah. a powerful thing that takes you back, but you understand where he's coming from. I would understand that on a personal level. What I'm trying to understand is how does that the entire Federation, like an entire body, a civilization that's supposed to be better than the individual, has now become and behaved in a xenophobic way where the individual is fighting against it saying like no we got to help these whatever yeah i would have believed it more if it was one admiral or one group who was controlling everything and it was picard versus the one thing because he's upholding the ideals of the federation which is yeah. being true because even we've seen in in deep space nine um and in star trek where the federation and starfleet have a conflict Oh yeah, well, even like where like Starfleet intelligence or Starfleet security has a different mandate yes. than the like, Section Thirty One, yeah, <laughs> which which exactly. I I was surprised that these guys love Section Thirty One. I thought they would have brought yeah. that up a million times, but big fans. Well, big fans of Section Thirty One, and yet yeah. all you know, every time fan service is like, this is the thing I want to say. I want to say this right off the bat. I feel like this TV show was written by someone who knows the following things about Picard. He drinks tea. All great. Mm-hmm. He yep. loves data. Mm-hmm. Great, great friendship with data. He he says engage. Yep. Uh, and uh, and he uh, he's kind of like a nice guy who likes to save people. That's all yep. they know about him. They because every two seconds it's like oh he's drinking tea. Look he's he's drinking his tea. <laughs> and we don't need to do any more development other than that. And it's just it's it, it bothers me in the sense that I get what you're saying because they they have shown in the past that conflicts with races and that's why i kind of said that i get it from the get-go i get the idea of you know what there would be a debate in the federation council there'd probably be confusion as to what to do but i just felt like making it the entire federation hates romulans every romulan in existence is a little bit too far See, see, I didn't feel that level of, like, universal hatred. What I kind of felt is, like, something that I would actually almost say, and this is where my ambivalence comes from, is that on the one hand, if you have Star Trek's optimism as something to look up to, then that is, like, it makes it different. On the other hand, I do, is, like, something that I've kind of came to appreciate more as I've gotten older is the understanding that things do change. So Mm -hmm. even if we do eventually achieve some sort of enlightened nature, there is a chance that we'll slip. And that will fall back a ways. It's like, and that it'll be really up to the individual now. Right. It's like to basically, who the individual who still carries that optimism to be able to push back against a system that is sliding backwards. And, and the I, way and you I, put I, it like that, Tyler, I will yeah. say that like, that is something that from the beginning, I can go, okay, I'm on board enough to listen. 
to, to see yeah. where this is going to go. And you and that's what I got from the pilot, and that's what I was hoping that I would see throughout the rest of the show, is that we have Picard, who is going to be our, our stand-in for mm-hmm. the individual who's carrying the spirit of what we know Star Trek to be, and it's going to be his interactions and conflicts with the current crop of individuals, be them the new characters or just Starfleet as a whole. And through that conflict, basically being able to stop the backslide, stop Federation from falling back into xenophobia and hatred and like kind of self-preservation. Because as much as them trying to get rid of the Romulans was an act of xenophobia, it was also an act of self-preservation. We've just been hurt. It's time for us to backpedal and like lick our own wounds mm-hmm. and to hell with these other people. Yeah. Um, the first, like the fact that what I was really hoping to see was basically that interaction between the TNG universe that we know and love and this new backsliding universe, and then through it, these basically like uh, fix the like the pendulum swing, right. stop it in its tracks, and keep us like moving forward. That was something I was like, okay, this is actually somewhere where the optimism of Star Trek can be used in a way that's not just like like kind of like random and like pushed up and like just something that we can say like yeah that's nice but it's not really how it is yeah it would actually be used as a tool to conflict to like counteract something that we see happening now where people are slide backsliding into mm-hmm. more of a isolationist us versus them mentality and i was like this could be great this Boy, is like, you're, you're describing like... what would have been a fantastic show <laughs> i know right <laughs> <laughs> you're describing what like the way you're describing it you're even making me go like yeah okay if it had gone yeah. that direction, great. If it had gotten there. Oh. But, eventually, but then, like, after the first like first episode, what we see time and time again is that those universes of TNG and this, like, this new, like, Alex Kurtzman universe, which I think is what we should as they call both Discovery and this from now on are the Kurtzman, Kurtzman universe. Kurtzman universe, yeah. We see them, basically, they don't interact with each other in any meaningful way. No. They bounce off each other. Picard interacts with these people... He doesn't try to is like to change their mind on no. anything. He just says, "I need to do this," and they say, "I don't want to do that." And he says, "Well, I'm doing that." And then, uh, for some reason, they do it. You have to understand. You have to understand, Tyler. They need. They didn't. They didn't have the time. They had to spend so no. much time with Romulan uh, knights and and Romulan ninjas. And, you know, we had to spend time, you know, we had to spend time uh, watching Riker cook a pizza. Um, And, you know. I I kind of enjoyed that, actually. I I will say the best best episode for me is episode seven, which is where they go, where he he interacts with Riker and Troy. We'll get there. But but I'm saying in terms of, like, they they just didn't have, you know, they didn't have the time because they wanted to do all this other weird stuff. They wanted to show this character vaping, and she's crazy, and have her interact with, with her quote-unquote son, um, who yep. we don't know anything about, we don't, <laughs> don't care, and have backstory. You're introduced to literally introduced the to moment literally. before and, he and, shows up. Yeah, and, and... forget about him the moment he leaves. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the things that I couldn't... I couldn't get over was some of the moments... Where and this again is getting into spoiler territory, and I want yeah I should have said this from the beginning, but we're spoiling all of Star Trek Picard because we're talking about the whole season, so hopefully people understand that. Um, some of the deaths that happened, I was so disconnected and disinterested in because they kept introduce so they would introduce a character that's new and maybe introduce a character we knew before like Hugh. Um, a Borg who had a connection with Picard. They actually had a really nice conversation, real good connection. But then they probably my favorite part of the whole show. One hundred percent is that interaction. Yeah, a hundred. I could agree with you. And then they yep. kill Hugh, 
in the arms yep. of the the random uh, Romulan ninja, uh, who says I'm going to and who doesn't doesn't know Hugh from from no. from Bob, uh, no. who holds him and is like I'm going to miss you because I guess he's speaking as the fans, but it's like. <laughs> I don't care. You don't know each other. You have zero connection <laughs> to each other whatsoever. Yeah. And for no reason, Romulan... Because they needed a, they wanted to have a Romulan ninja, because that's cool. And you know what? Alex Kurtzman thinks the best line he's ever written is, my friends choose to live. Um, and it's just... They just wanted to do that. And that's a lot of the problem I have with this series, is you're doing this just so you can have a Starfleet officer swear at Star Trek... at, at Picard. You're just doing yeah. this so you can have a, a Romulan ninja cut off someone's head <laughs> which is just like okay okay <laughs> yeah and so this this is going to bring up another one of my this is actually this isn't is an ambivalency this is an actual like straight up like just like so something that um so you you had said recently on the podcast that you have now started watching game of thrones yeah i um i started to do a game of thrones rewatch yeah okay yeah so it's like something like in comparison to the show versus the books, there's many different like, changes. But one thing I think the show got really well is like an economy of character. Yeah. You have limited space, limited time, limited attention. You only can do so much. Yeah. So you can't introduce 50 characters when 10 would do. We don't need to see two badasses like Romulans at the beginning is like as card servants <laughs> develop an attachment to them never see them again after the second episode and replace them immediately with another Romulan who is a ninja. Why you, couldn't they have just gone with him? Why couldn't it have been them that went with him? Why did we have to have two robots? Why did it have to be both like Soji and um, Dodge? Dodge? Why couldn't yeah. it have been one? Because literally at the end when it's like all of this like this like finale is like reliant on the connection between Picard and Soji, like I don't feel the connection between those two characters. They spent very little. Well, most of Picard's connection is to her sister, yes. who died at the beginning. And I'm like, why is it? If she had been around since then, if this connection had been a show long thing, it would have felt so much better. You literally identical twin to them, so you yeah. could kill one person, feel sad, but then say, but it's okay because this exact same yes. actress is playing the and exact same character hey, over here. You're fine. <laughs> I will say that that was something that interested me at the beginning. Was I thought the whole series was going to be about this girl and basically like mm -hmm. a Logan type treat meant to star trek where picard and this girl's basically going around the galaxy having to do whatever but yeah, then on the road trip. but yeah on a road trip but then when they kill her in the pilot that that did per pique my interest i was like oh okay this is yeah, interesting you fooled us you you did you did the the avengers endgame thing you you thought you we knew what this was about and you completely fooled us but then at the end of the pilot when they revealed she was a twin i was like oh <laughs> oh there's just another oh i see and they don't meet for six more episodes no and then when they do they never actually have a meaningful conversation they, they like, have zero the meaningful conversations the is like so aside from hugh and picard later on if we're going back to the first episode the best conversation that actually typifies exactly what i mean about the old tng interacting with like the new mm -hmm. like alex kurtzman universe mm -hmm. is the conversation that picard and dodge have with each other it's like when she's discovered that she's an android. Yeah. So she is basically spouting off sci-fi cliches about realizing that you're a robot yeah. with, with like startling precision. Basically going from, 
I'm not real to I have no memory. There's like all these things that like we've heard a million times like over many other sci-fi things, but the reactions she's getting from Picard are so different. They're yeah. not like it's like when she says this memory I have, and he says, and it's a beautiful memory, and, and no one can take it away from you. You should treasure it. <laughs> it's like she's like I'm not, but I'm not real. It's like you are as real as the person who gave their life to save me, and he showed tons of courage. You have to reach inside and find that courage. And I'm like, these interactions between them are exactly what I want. Yeah. We were getting sci-fi like stipulation over and over again of kind of like, oh, this is generic sci-fi robot stuff, and we were being met with like enthusiastic optimism yeah. and compassion. Yes. And I'm like, this is what this show should be, and then we never saw it again. <laughs> well, no, because we had to have a Romulan cut another Romulan's head off. What yeah, are you talking well, about? Like, we, like we had to, we had to put the 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 the. <laughs> it's funny how it was like it's a, it's Romulan ninjas who are all female, but the one male, um, <laughs> is 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 a child that likes Picard and they hung out, even though Picard hates children, but whatever. Yep. So well, let's put him on a board cube and have him run around fighting the the Jad Vash because yeah. we because the Tal Shiar is not enough. And that's the no. thing. That's the thing about the Kurtzman universe is he takes things and is like, okay, well, we've got the Tal Shiar, which is an organization that kind of works in the shadows of the Romulans. They're very to be feared. Every time there is Tal Shiar discussion on TNG, there's a sense of sort of uh, fear within me. Now, I was a kid watching it, but in in rewatching yep. Star Trek, I the same. They do a very good job of, of building tension. Yep. But in this, they're like, okay, but the, it's not the Tal Shiar. It's the Jad Vash, and they're going after Dodge. And it's like, why? Why are you, what are you doing? <laughs> like, why are you adding, why are you taking something away? Just exactly what you're saying. You're taking something away and then adding it again a little different three minutes later. This is, this is what I'm saying. Economy of character. Yeah. We yeah. don't need two different secret police for the Romulans. No, one is good. <laughs> one is fine. It's like, you know what? That's cool. They can do their thing. We don't need all this sort of like overlap. And it comes down yeah. to, as we move through, whereas I think we're going to talk a little bit about the other characters that yeah. show up as the supposed quote-unquote crew, and I actually do like quite a few of these characters, and I like the actors that play them, and I think that there were some interesting ideas about them that never got a chance to actually fruition in any way, because we were spending our time with Romulan Ninja, and explaining the difference between two different Romulan secret polices, and having to go over and look at the weird, incestuous Romulan villains that I'm... I, I just don't understand why they're there. <laughs> yeah, the, both of them <laughs> kind of unceremoniously were there and then not there, and I don't get why they're here. Again, it's 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 almost, and I agree. I agree with what you're saying in terms of the characters, but again, it's it's the paper versus the execution, and this is where I yep. talk about the final season of Game of Thrones. If you on a piece of paper wrote out everything that happened in the final season of Game of Thrones and gave it to me, and I read it, I'd go, this is awesome. Then yep. the execution is so poor and rushed, and it just it doesn't allow the development and things to be done. That's what I feel about Picard. On paper, these are some fantastic characters. On paper, yep. the way the way they're written is is so poor and the execution is so poor and we don't spend any time with them exactly what you're saying we spend let's spend more time with the pretty romulans who are a little yep. bit incestuous because like whatever like people kind of like because, that you know, i guess people people did that in game of thrones yes been so doing it for years with so anime. why not why here? not why not like why not have the 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 romulan twins one male one female like you've seen the trope all over the place but then again they they serve you know that there's no 
relevance that they serve because when you get rid of them so quickly or you can dismiss them or forget about them so quickly there's yep. three episodes where I, what's his name um can it Sarek or Sar- not Sarek but whatever his name is, is. It, the, the main, Narek the main yeah Narek I think is his name is Narek yeah I'm gonna call him Tweedledee Tweedledee so Tweedledee yeah. was chasing them stealthily in a ship for like three yep. episodes I forgot yep. about him Exactly. When he shows up at the one point before they're going to go in the yeah. studio, I'm like, oh, oh yeah. God. I was like, oh, yeah, he's a thing. <laughs> like, where, where did you go? Yeah, man? what happened to you? Yeah, and again, I, I get the appeal dramatically of let's give a character that, that Soji can, can fall in love with and have some con- conflict there so she can feel really hurt. I understand the, the trope of having that, but what yeah. I don't get is is the, the insistence that these things are important. Um, and then his sister... Like does literally nothing. Yeah. <laughs> the the entire yeah, she, series, she has she no like, purpose. I am almost a hundred percent sure that the only reason she exists is so that Seven of Nine has someone to fight in the last episode. One hundred percent, and like yeah. Seven of Nine kicks her ass real quick. <laughs> like, like it's very not handedly. easily. <laughs> we <laughs> were never afraid. <laughs> yeah, like she's just like we're just gonna kick you and you're dead. Like it's just like yeah. nothing. Um, but yeah, you're, you bring up a really good point of we spent so much time with things that I think Alex Kurtzman and his quote-unquote writing staff th- thought were cool and would mm-hmm. catch people's attention. But Star Trek, which made it so different than every other sci-fi series, including Star Wars, including Battlestar Galactica and all these things, is the richness of the characters and the discussions that they have. The best yeah. moments in Star Trek are one-on-one discussions with a little bit of music in the background, or maybe there's no music and there's the hum of the engine of the Enterprise. Those are the best scenes. No action, no, it's just philosophical debate discussion using allegory, using metaphor, using many, many different things to talk about particular moments. And you're bringing up things that would have made the, would have made the entire thing so cool. Like Rios. Let's talk about Rios for a second. Yeah, Rios. Rios, (laughs) on paper. Great character. Okay, yeah. so you're gonna you're gonna haunted, put so great. Haunted, yeah, a haunted starship yes. captain who basically can't be around people anymore. So Love he's, he's constructed an entire crew of holograms, oh, holograms. With different versions of himself with different accents. Love it. So he can just be around. I'm like, perfect. Great. This is great. Perfect. I just want to watch this guy on show. Sure, even even the first scene where he he's got a piece of shrapnel in his in his uh, shoulder and he's just sort of like whatever. He's 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 what. Star Trek's never really seen a rogue like that. And yep. what would have been interesting was, great, so he's going on this mission with Picard. He feels this strange loyalty towards captains. We don't know what happened to his captain, but he doesn't want to get close to another one because of something that happened, and then we, we end up hearing you know more about that. That's such a cool, interesting character that they did nothing with. Yep. They, they, they quickly, quickly gave him a love story with with the doctor with the scientist that just like quickly happened and i don't 100 percent remember but i I know what kind of quickly happened but they don't happen they don't give him anything to do and anything to more push the character forward because he's such he's got a rich character background there's lots of cool things that can be done but how many conversations did he have with picard three I think uh, there was two. Two. There okay, was there was two. Sorry, of, I gave them one, one extra. One, yeah, one, one at the very beginning when they're talking about how he's obviously Starfleet because of all these stuff that he does. Yeah. And another one at the end, which almost came close to being exactly what we were talking about, about where Picard is basically saying, 
he's like, yeah, you know, he's like, you know, um, he's like, your captain was a great guy. And he's like, yeah, but he's, like, it's too bad he died believing that Starfleet betrayed him. He's like, oh, Starfleet did betray him. They might not have been the people that did it, but they, he's like, we allowed ourselves to fall into fear. And you get that moment where you're like, oh, this is going to be like a, one of those great TNG conversations yes. where two people come to the table and they reveal stuff about their character while also discussing a greater philosophical point of view, but then it's interrupted by the plot again. Like, yes, <laughs> by the, like, by the oh. quote-unquote plot that's so important <laughs> yeah. that we got to get to. But that's Why? the that's, <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing about Rios is that he... I love on paper that idea. Someone who, yep. who, who was a Starfleet, high up enough on a ship that he was close to his captain, making first contact, his captain uh, dies in a way yep. that he doesn't understand. He feels responsible. He, he isolates himself, but then Picard can see right through him. I loved the yep. line, you're Starfleet through and through. Because yeah, that you was felt, even I felt that way about Rios, where I'm like, you know, he seems a little hard on the surface, but it seems very surface. Like, he seems to be pushing yep. people away. The fact that Picard called him out on it, I was like, this is brilliant. This is going to yep. be such a great character thing. They're going to have so many different discussions. You're going to be basically re, almost re-civilizing a guy who feels disconnected from civilization. Yeah, he's and, like, and even because he has all these different fragments of his personality spread amongst his different holograms, yes. like he's like you, we could spend an entire series like teasing out information from these guys in terms of what's like what's going on, but they condense all of that into one episode yes. where literally they just like get them all together to have a chat, like okay, let's figure out what's going on here. Yes, and that's <laughs> the thing that I I just you know God forbid we spend a, a, a ten episode series on on this ship learning about these people, letting them get close, so when big incidences happen at the end, it makes sense why they're upset. Because at the end, what, like every connection Rios has with people, I don't understand. Like, no. it was so fast, okay, he's going to have this relationship with this doctor, and she's conflicted because she loves Bruce Maddox and blah, blah, blah. But that's so yeah. quickly that I don't get the same emotional satisfaction at the end that I want. And I know he has a history with Raffi, and I'm okay with things being unsaid in terms of they know each other. I, that's okay. I'm I'm fine I, walking on to to you know a scene and a character going. We have a background. We have a history, and them getting to know it. Like I'm okay with that. But yeah. there's not enough further pushing forward development for me to to connect all of these. Yeah, people. and I think that's partially because Raffi as a character is um, she's basically like a, a Swiss Army knife. It's like for plot mechanics. Yes, yeah. Basically, you change her to whatever you need her to be in yeah. order to get either the emotional point of the scene or the plot mechanic of the scene to work. She's suddenly a hacker. Okay. She's yeah, a, she's uh, a she's hacker. Suddenly, now. now she's like an emotional caring mother is a like type. Okay. Now she's like a is like out of control drunk person. I'm like, okay. Now she's like she hates John Luke Picard. Like, okay. Now she loves John was there a scene? No, it's like it just—it's no, always, always been there. It's just—it's always been there. It's—it's like—it's like they literally gave us a character saying, "Well, this person is schizophrenic," and yeah, you just—but but you didn't say it. You didn't tell us. Yeah. We just have this mentally unstable person that's on yeah, this like, ship. How is it that the guy that literally spread his personality amongst five different holograms more consistent? Yes. Than you then, as then an individual. This, yeah. Well, the thing about her again, Raffi's another great example of on paper. So after the events of Star Trek Nemesis, it makes sense that, uh, okay, D Data's gone, um, Riker's got a new ship, he he's going to get a new crew. So yep. I was totally fine with the idea of, I'm going to introduce you to my, my sort of new executive officer that I had, I was close with Raffi, I 100% I can accept that. 
What I yep. can't accept is using her as a plot device exactly the way you're saying is she will now become whatever we need her to be to suit this episode, which means she doesn't have much of a character. And maybe that's what I didn't no. like about her. The inconsistencies in the way she was portrayed where exactly one episode she's so drunk and out of it that she's useless and clearly depressed and just in a, in a horrible state where then, then the next episode without seeing the transition, she's, she's taking care of someone else who's yeah. in that state. Yeah. And it's like, and you can see like the problem with all of these things is that like, there are ways that I can like find myself to forgive it and say like, okay, so like, yeah, I guess she was out of control because she didn't have anything to go. But now she said she's going to go to free cloud. She decided to clean herself up for yeah. her son. I'm like, okay, yeah. this makes sense. Her son rejects her. So she like devolves back into yeah. her old habits. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. And then from there on, it's like, okay, now suddenly she's fine again. I don't know how that happened. Yes. And now suddenly she loves John <laughs> Picard when she used to hate him. I don't understand how that happened. <laughs> and there's things that we know that, that I think Alex Kurtzman and his, again, quote-unquote writing staff, the, the Kurtzman universe ignores what Star Trek fans know about characters. I'm not even talking about canon. I can forgive certain canon things, and I'm not one of those people who sits here being like, oh, why does the technology look so different? It's because it was made in a different time. Like, I get it. Yeah. But what I won't accept is Picard's closeness to a person and his ability to see through the surface is always revealed at one point in time. We, we, we yep. see examples of it. Raffi is a character where the way they presented her, I'm having to guess as to why Picard is so attached to her. And, yep. and the thing that, I, again, wouldn't it be great if the way they presented it was, well, Raffi's really rough around the edges. She's clearly having a hard time, really unstable, but is a mother to every member of her crew. And that's what Picard yeah. sees in her. The way she takes care of, of the doctor, the way she takes care even of Rios and, and cares and tries to be involved. If we just saw that in a clear way of, oh, that's why Picard has, has had a great time with her and, and trusts her and goes to her. Is he knows she cares about people deep down the same way he does. But we have to guess yeah. at that. And I don't like filling in the blanks like that. I like being I can fill in blanks to a certain point, but then you're just getting lazy as a writer because you're not including yeah. these things for some reason. And it's amazing how much of this type of stuff can be solved with a scene or two. Like yeah. it's like because like all you really need to see is is like as a trajectory. We don't need to see like a, like a consistent line, but you need to see enough data points for you to be able to draw like a good line through it. And so when you literally have only like one data point like over here, one data point like all the way up to the very tippy top and then the next one back down where the other one was you there's no way you can draw a good line as like in that it's like but if you actually show just a few more data points in between yeah. them yeah. you can actually get a feel for what's happening with this character from moment to moment and i do think that the fact that she doesn't like the card at the beginning because he basically failed her yeah and then is like if we saw Picard grapple with that in any way, it would be, it would be good. Yeah. But if we got to see her interaction with him basically fix her again, like bring her back to what she used to be, bring out that maternal instinct that she had as yes. like while she was aboard the Enterprise, like all that sort of stuff, that would have been once again great. And perhaps it was there, as you say, on paper, but then also, as you say, it definitely wasn't there in ex execution. No, not at all. Again, it's one of those things that you could derive from the paper. If you had a paper description of these characters, I don't know if you agree with this or not, but it sounds like you do. Rios and Raffi are interesting characters on paper. Yeah, I, they're I think that they're both. I think they're both really. Good. I even think that their actors do a good job with what they're given. I agree. Uh, yeah. like, um, and I think that there are like like specific scenes, specifically scenes of the two of their interactions, where I think like 
I can see something really good here. Yeah. Um, and it makes me think that like the Kurtzman universe has potential in terms of its granular nature. Like there are nuggets of interesting things here that are just lost in a sea, a sea of color correction and as like and strange like uh, cinematography that I just can't really figure out. They don't have their counterpoints. So e even this happened a lot with with George Lucas who is clearly a brilliant mind for Star Wars, but the best movies and the best produced products have other people around to help with creative. So yep. to me, maybe Alex Kurtzman, I don't know, maybe we're giving, I, I don't like him, so I don't want to give him too much credit, but, but maybe he, I should give him some more, and maybe he's good at creating a foundation and needs better people to write, direct, and create the look around what he's creating. Because well, he's, he's got a trajectory that seems to have intrigue to it, but the execution is so bad that I, yeah. I, I have a hard time complimenting it. Yeah, it's one of those weird things. Like, when you look at the actual, like, staff that's on hand, like, besides Kurtzman, you have, like, a list of, like, writers and directors that are, like, TV veterans. Some yeah. of them are sci-fi novelists. Some of them are, like, old, like, old, uh, like, like, uh, holdovers from, like, Jonathan Frakes that shows yeah. up to, do, to direct a few episodes as well. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's hard to say exactly where it goes offline. All I guess I can say is probably that running a television series is probably incredibly difficult, and keeping all these things kind of under, is it under a single thumb must be near on impossible. Oh, the fact absolutely. that it works more frequently than it fails is actually, like, pretty, pretty good. Um... That said, I say I won't allow that to excuse the fact that it's like that it's like this is squandered potential, like yes. left, right, and center. From the first two episodes, we can see all the things that we could get. Yes, and we didn't get any of it. No, no, <laughs> that's that's the, that's the thing. Is the as the series moves on, episode to episode, we don't get any of those things that we think we might get. Which again, I I'm all for taking an expectation and and going the opposite way saying, okay, you think we're going to go here, but we're going to go here, and it's fresh and interesting. But I found episodes three, four, five, and even six, uh, up until, so seven is when, when they, they finally um, uh, meet up with Riker. I found those middle episodes to be close to unwatchable in terms of television, not just in terms of Star Trek, because I, I will admit my bias. I love yeah. Star Trek, so I'm going to be harder on Star Trek things. But I loved Enterprise, even though it had its flaws. I loved Voyager, even though it had its flaws. Because because at the core, there was something there that they were keeping consistent and they were growing with. And in this series, I feel like they, they threw a lot of random episodes in because they thought it looked cool. And yeah. it didn't translate for me. Yeah, I would say that my least favorite episode is actually episode four, okay. Absolute Candor. Yeah. Um, that's the one where they go and they find the the group of, like, Romulan warrior nuns. Or oh, yes, they are. of course, the warrior nuns, yeah. 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 The all-female like, warrior nuns with one male. One, except for the one male that we're going to take. <laughs> that we're going to take. <laughs> we're not going to give an opportunity for a great female character, which, again, is something no. that these Star Trek series have done very well. They've given yeah, us is... great diversity. And it's so frustrating because they had a great or potentially great female Romulan character in the first two episodes. Yes, and the, uh, but but like, but we got to get rid of her because this dude's got to cut off a guy's head because she's too old to be able <laughs> to do old, like the weird like yeah. do the weird like yeah. flips through the air and stuff like that that are so popular in uh, like TV action these days. They look fantastic, and you can get them in a single shot yeah. without having to do the wide. Yeah. And it's like 
this is the type of thing where you look at it and it's kind of like she has real rapport with Picard. Yep. Like this this new character, so if we're gonna if we're still going through the characters, this guy was Elnor, is that his name? Elnor. Yeah. Um I really don't like him. He has if, no person. Well, how can you? How can you even like or dislike him? He doesn't have a personality. He's like a wooden cutout. He's exactly. He's like basically like something that is taking up space from the rest of <laughs> yes. the good yes. things in this show. Now, like, now he, I get what you're saying about the, the from their perspective, um, the idea of doing a cool flip and having a young person yep. do it. You can do that. But like, you, you tell me this. Let me describe this to you as someone who's watching it. Wouldn't it be more fascinating if yes this kind of older woman's there she picard's being threatened she's saying something whatever there and then you either see a cut or something that happens you don't see what happens and the guy's dead isn't that more fascinating well, of like, like what when, the hell did when, she just do well like when they uh, the chateau does get attacked at one point back in the first couple of mm -hmm. episodes and when they're there and it's like and it was amazing to see like because i didn't know what these two deals were yeah. we never actually fully find out no it's like but like there was these two romulans that just worked for picard and you're like okay and then <laughs> like stuff starts going down it's like people it's like it's like the uh, disruptor gets shot it's like and they basically turn into full soldier mode yes. mode which is like take him and she yeah. goes and like actually like like destroys him like yeah who are these people? I yes. want to know more about these people. And the 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 core, the kind of um, intimidation factor and the intrigue of them was there because even in that that quick action sequence, you're like, how did they get by all these soldiers so easily? And that's what's interesting about them. But we have to abandon that because let's see if someone's head get cut, cut off because that's exactly. fun. Exactly. Obviously, there's got to be a group of Romulans that still only use swords. Obviously. And they are the most feared warriors in the world. I'm like, I feel that hard. That's hard. That's hard. That's a hard sell in a world that has not only phasers and disruptors, but force fields and like and the Borg and like so many things. But like, no, no, no. This ninja with the sword. We're gonna because it's cool. Okay, well, we might as well say, okay, so maybe we can just push him off to the side. No, he's going to be one of the main touchstone characters throughout an entire subplot on the Borg Cube later. And they give like, him nothing to do. Like, I was so, I could, like, I don't even remember what happened on the Borg Cube, and it seemed like nothing happened because they barely did anything with him. And then he has the audacity in the final episode. They give Elnor the line was like, well, I'm going to, I would miss you if you died, Seven of Nine. Why? Yeah. Do you know her? No. <laughs> like, you have no connection to these people. Why is he so connected to the these ex Borgs? Like it just doesn't make you, any sense. You miss very easily, I must say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he he loves everybody. He's very emotional. Yeah. No, and I I agree with you. I think that like that randomness that we're seeing in this series, and I I always like especially when reviewing movies. I think it's very clear when someone does something because they think it would be cool to do it or it serves the plot. And I yeah. think this is a show filled with, this will be cool, this will get people interested, this will be a cool thing, this will be sexy, this will be... The, and it doesn't serve a purpose, right? Yeah. You, if it serves a purpose, you can, you can forgive things. But it, but it doesn't. It just doesn't. Yeah. Um, the, what I will say, so we, we kind of continue along to episode seven. This episode... I don't know if it was its purpose or whatever, but it gave me this sigh of relief. Like the minute he arrived on that planet and he goes in to, so this is the episode where, where they, um, they finally go for refugee, um, Picard and Soji escape the Borg cube and they go to the planet that 
Riker and uh, Troy and their daughter are basically live. Um, and the minute Picard walks in, gets hugs and stuff, Riker looks at him and goes, you're in trouble. And then says, like, computer, shields up. I was like, oh, finally. <laughs> like, finally, this, like, Riker, save us. Like, this is it. Like, finally, he's going to get the band together, put the shields up. Every Like, I just, I kicked back and was like, oh, yes. I've never felt that, like, satisfied <laughs> by just a nope. simple thing. <laughs> and it's it's one of those um one of those really like sad things about this episode for me is that like I feel like this episode is both like one of the best things is like in the show and also like systematically the thing that is effectively like killing the the show mm-hmm. in terms of being able to be like an effective standalone is that this need is like because it is it showcases so heavily how like emotionally and philosophically kind of like vacant the rest of the Kurtzman universe is. Oh, you were so right. When you put these people in the same room together for the first time in forever, and it's like, oh, this is so nice. It's like, And you listen to them have conversations that are both character-revealing and deep, where Deanna is basically saying to Picard, you know that I would protect you through anything, but then Picard would say, like, but you're worried about your kids. Yeah. And she's like, yeah. And, like, and like that side of like, loved that it. moment is beautiful the moment with Riker and Picard when they take their little walk and then they go out and sit on a bench and it's like and he's like Riker saying like yeah I'm not going to try to talk you out of it because I know better it's like but he's like and like these those feelings of just kind of like this is nice and it's like and then you kind of like look back at the first six episodes and look forward to what's to come you're like why can't you be like that <laughs> well that's the thing like the conversation they have over the dinner table where they're where they're kind of learning more information and and soji's kind of talking and then picard just kind of looks at everyone and says like thoughts and immediately i was brought back where where riker jumps in is like bruce maddox this is what i think's going on this is where i think he's going like and it's just it's what the show was missing characters yeah. having discussions discuss yeah that uh, troy being torn between uh, her her loyalty to Captain Picard, but also wanting to protect her children, because and again, I, I liked what they did with these characters. I liked the backstory they gave them. They had two kids. One of them unfortunately died. Um, the other one is still alive, but they're on this planet. They're kind of away from Starfleet. They're they're sort of just trying to to live their lives. I I loved it. Um, yeah. And and it brings real debate into it where where Deanna Troy is correct and Captain Picard is correct and everyone's right and sometimes two people can can think and do different things but be both correct and I and I I loved it I I loved those moments but it, you're right it made me look at the rest of the show and be like why are you not like this yeah it's like, it like you could you could do this if you wanted to obviously you can because you're doing it yes you're so doing like, it right now so we know you're <laughs> capable why can't you do this more. Yeah, and like exactly what you said, like I hadn't really thought of it until you brought that up. That when he says options, when he looks around the table, is exactly like being in the observation lounge 100%. in the actual show. Is like, and she says that to him at one point, like pretend our dinner table is the observation. Yes. Lounge. like that's what you need to do here. Yes, like, in order. They have a character. Say yeah. to another character, you need to sit down here and work this out with other people. Which is like saying it to the show. Like it's almost as if the writer of this one episode. I should look up to see who wrote this one. I bet you anything, it's someone different. Who's like almost trying to send a message to the writing crew? Is like, why don't you do this? <laughs> like, you have a character literally sit Picard down and say, "You need to pretend like this is the observation table and work off of us and work the problem out verbally." 
<laughs> because obviously you're not doing it otherwise. Yeah, otherwise, clearly it's not happening. You're not getting any help from these other people, so you need to do this here. So apparently the this episode was written by two people. One is uh, Michael Chadman, who also wrote a bunch of the other episodes. The other one is Samantha Humphrey, who I do not know who she is, but she is not a writer or director in any other episode. So perhaps she is... I'm giving her the credit. I'm giving Samantha the credit. I don't even care who... I'm giving Samantha the credit. Of the, the, the outsider, she came in, she wrote these scenes, and went like, hey, see, see guys? And then they fired her. Probably. Yeah, they're like, no, that wasn't that wasn't flashy enough. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, this isn't what we're going for. <laughs> yeah, I'd hire her in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 ridiculous where we almost took a break from the series in, in episode seven. Like it was almost like a break from everything. Yeah. And that felt like the best episode. The sort yeah. of sit back and go, oh, okay. It but it's to me it's what made Star Trek so good. And I brought this up on our Star Trek podcast. Like, if I were to ever show someone the begin like who's never seen Star Trek, I would show them the best of both worlds, part one and two, and family, because I, I think as a th- as a as a triad that shows you okay, here's where Star Trek can be action packed in a way because best of the world's worlds had had action to it, yeah. and then can also take that action and what happened and show you the human impact the very next episode and have this kind of subdued episode where Picard goes back and has to rediscover his humanity and connect with his family and Worf is connecting with his parents and is embarrassed by them. And like you have all these different kind of storylines connected to family. It's to me what this show is lacking. It's lacking episode sevens where yes, you can have these action moments, but then you've got to bring it back to the philosophy the philosophy yeah. is what makes Star Trek Star Trek and what makes it different than rando sci-fi TV series, which is what this feels like, which is what Discovery feels like. Yeah. Yeah, it's just really unfortunate because, like, what the, what the really sad thing about it is that, like, none of the other characters, including even Soji, who's present, manages to be brought into this same, like, level of conversation. No. I feel like every other character is still in is like stuck in like Kurtzman universe so everything they say is always a emotional or sci-fi cliche and it's just not actually like it's 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 like it's colorful language and interesting words that are not actually like that they actually have anything beneath them it's um yeah it's using it's using pretty words but not stringing them together in a meaningful way and then meanwhile, you have these people who are saying, like, sometimes not even saying full sentences because they're either being, like, choked up or being interrupted. But, like, in the way that they're, like, that they're just interacting with each other, you can feel, like, the actual emotional, like, core of the scene and of the show itself is there. And it's just... Wait, it's, you, it's really you mean through, like, you're talking about, like, subtlety and nuance? You yeah, can have like, that? You can have yeah, subtlety and nuance and, and strong character development in, in, in a Star Trek series? Wow. Yeah, like, yeah. and as much as, as, as much as I love J.J. Uh, Abrams' first 2009 Star Trek movie, mm-hmm. which was also how Alex Kurtzman first got involved with yeah. Star Trek, because yeah. he was the screenwriter for it, it's like that, I have to admit that that movie is what started this. Yeah. Like, as much as I love that show, like, that movie is... And all of this is a result of what we saw there with basically the recognition that you can give something this Kurtzman feel. You can give it yeah. flash, you can yeah. give it expense, and you can give it like fun, quirky kind of like characters and rely heavily on your actors to provide, to the, provide act, the actual yeah. like emotional center as they got it. It's like, and they took that lesson and they're still yeah. running with it. And it's, it's 
we're getting diminishing returns as we go further and further. And hey, I, I agree. I, I like Star Trek 2009, but I still think of the new three Star Trek movies beyond as the best one. Because it felt yeah. like an episode of Star Trek. Yeah, as it, and when we get to the finale, remind me of that because there is something. One of the only things I like about the finale actually like is because of it reminded me about something from Star Trek Beyond. Yeah, we'll we'll get to kind of the finale next, but the, I want to bring up one quick thing that I I didn't um I didn't like overall. Um, actually, I do. Before I get to that, I I want to say one more example of this nuance just because I like bringing in other Star Trek things to show how you can do things better. One of the yep. things that I liked about the pilot episode of Deep Space Nine is there's a yep. wonderful scene between Picard and Captain Sisko. I remember it. Okay, you know exactly what I'm talking about where you can tell without him saying a word how Sisko feels about Picard. Yep. Captain Sisko was on a ship that during the Best of Both Worlds episodes at Wolf 359 was destroyed by the Borg, led by Picard, who was turned into a Borg assimilated. And his, you know, Cisco's wife is killed. Cisco escapes with his son and now basically has to raise a son on his own without saying anything other than we've met before. Oh, I didn't know we've met before. Where did we meet? I was stationed on whatever ship at Wolf 359. Picard yep. looks at him walks away, looks back, and then continues about talking about the mission. Within yeah. five seconds, with not a single word of dialogue, I know everything going through Picard's head. I know he's feeling yeah. guilt. I know he's sensing the aggression. He's starting to relive the moments that everything went through. He knows this conversation is going to be difficult, and it's one of the first times he's probably had to be faced with a Starfleet officer who was affected by what happened with the Borg. And it's a brilliant scene of nuance and subtlety. Brilliant. Do we have that in this show? We do not. Anyway, the point that I wanted to quickly make before we talk about the finale is about the synthetics. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, there, <laughs> this is one of the things that I, I can't get over and I can't accept. I can't accept that the Federation and Starfleet would make a bunch of data-like androids and put them to work uh, on Mars and other places because of how hard people like Picard and the TV show fought against these types of things. Yeah. Um, the episode um, where uh, Data is is first going to be taken by Bruce Maddox, um, and Bruce Maddox wants to, uh, this is original, ser uh, sorry, TNG, Bruce Maddox wants to take Data and, and disassemble him. Um, there's a great conversation between Guinan and, and Captain Picard where she's saying, well, it would be great to, to have this disposable group that you can send into situations and not risk the life of officers. And Picard, I mean, she's doing this to get a rise out of him. Picard looks oh, yeah. at her with this look of disgust on his face. And he says, you're talking about, that, you're talking about slavery. That doesn't exist anymore. We don't treat people like that. There are no disposable life forms. And that is something they went against because apparently we have a bunch of synthetics who are working on Mars who they make fun of, treat poorly, and then, of course, they went crazy and killed everybody. Yeah, yeah. It's like, like, I just watched an episode of TNG with the um, Exocons. Which oh, these, like, Exocons, little, yes. Great yeah, episode. these little tiny robots that are like just basically tools that are meant to do exactly that, go into dangerous places. Like that. And then at the first hint that they have some sort of like consciousness, that they're developing sentience in some way, it's like the response from everyone is to immediately stop 
what like use of them as tools and to like start treating them as more like as individuals and as like as partners yes it's like the uh the fact that yeah the synthetics in this one are is like are basically slave labor which is is like and for some reason picard's okay with that yeah Um, not just picard everybody because that's the thing about even the exocon episode um or the bruce maddox one you've got one person who thinks and feels a way, which you can accept. You can accept an individual in this world thinking a certain way, but society has grown better. That's the idea. We've we've elevated the societal thinking. So the fact that Picard had no problem and and all of the Federation had no problem with it is mind-boggling. Yeah. So let's talk about the finale, just because we are getting uh, on there in time, and and I think we've we've gone on a lot. Anyone listening now is hardcore star trek fans i'm sure yeah Um, (laughs) yeah once we get over the hour mark you gotta you gotta really love star trek to be still paying attention yeah at this point it's really just us yelling at each other yeah yeah (laughs) which that's the thing i could do this all day oh yeah (laughs) like i could spend hours just yelling about star trek back and forth mainly i don't know if you can tell i haven't had this outlet (laughs) yeah yeah i know the feeling yeah yeah um so let's talk about the finale um i i i just I want to say right off the bat, and I want you to go into some detail because I know I know you have thoughts on it, and, and I really want to hear the two things you actually liked about it. I thought this was so many things happened so fast. This is the perfect example of somehow you rushed. Somehow yep. you had ten, you had ten forty-minute episodes, and somehow still you had to rush through your ending. Yeah, which I don't. The whole middle was nothing. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, there's nothing in the middle. You spent so much time doing these other things that you you lost out on important moments, and I just I hated this finale. I I I don't hate a lot of things, but there's a I have a fiery passion to this finale because it just it rushed through everything. Yeah, and I want to talk about near the end the kind of closing sequence of of the camera panning around the ship and stuff we'll talk about that in a second but give give me your thoughts on on this finale and and please god tell me the two things you actually liked because <laughs> i'm ready i'm ready to argue with you about this okay <laughs> let's go <laughs> yeah, so there were there were the, the ending to star trek picard was one of those weird scenarios where going into it i was actually kind of in, interested i was interested in this idea that there was this kind of like strange other universe or like out like other dimension where these like very advanced synthetic and like things were basically just sitting there waiting to like come to the rescue of anybody is like of any synthetic who needed a good exterminating of the organics i loved that the synthetic village was at pretty much like an idyllic 1960s like kids like the original series village for sure all all the way down to like the weird clothing they're wearing and like the strange like kind of like 1960s art deco style of the buildings i'm like like basically they built an like the version of an original series like um little village here to show that these things are living in like harmony like the the synthetics are in a utopia i'm like this is cool. I was like, okay, so, and now we have like a descent, the thorn in paradise, basically the recognition similar to Starfleet that they're being, they're becoming scared for their own survival. And so they're willing to do terrible things. It's like in order to, it's like basically like come back together. And I'm like, okay, and this is where Picard's going to go and he's going to give them the best speech ever. And it's going to be great. Uh, and that no, nothing, 
nothing like they that. They give him a speech. No speech. <laughs> like <laughs> no. It's like, and uh, not only are there no speeches, there's no real like time to discuss like why characters are doing certain things. There's no time to fin- to figure out what happened to certain characters, like the main Romulan male villain, Tweedledee, I believe I call him. Yeah, where? Yeah, where is Tweedledee? You know, like that's the thing. What happened to Tweedledee? We don't know. We know where Tweedledum's dead, but Tweedledee is somewhere. He got knocked unconscious at one point, was carried away, and uh, we never see him again. I was like, um, the, it's like the other Soji who had kind of, like, he's like become a little evil. Oh, the like Um, gold skin Soji? Yeah, is like, she's like, she gets zapped unconscious, doesn't show up again throughout the rest of the, like, the show. Yeah, we don't know um, where she is, yeah. Yeah, it's like, so it was basically like a, like a shot-for-shot, point-by-point, ma- like, manual on how to drop a ball so, like, perfectly that it creates, like, m- like, it destroys the thing it landed on. It is like, it is literally, they drop the ball so hard that Earth no longer exists. And I was like, <laughs> how did you do this? You had such an interesting setup going in. How did you manage to do this? Well, and Picard spends most of this episode lying down. Yep, lying down, or occasionally he's like he's in a is in a ship trying to fly, which is like uh, which is you know interesting. It's like or he's um almost dying, or he's dying, or he's not dead anymore because you know I hated reasons. That. I hated uh, yeah. it. I why why introduce an abnormality into his brain? Now he had um in the the original the in Next Generation's finale. When they did flash forwards into the future, he had some syndrome, Benar syndrome, I think, that yep. that uh, that that I believe was like a brain thing. So it's not quite yep. that, but it, it might like I think they eliminated that, but there's still an abnormality in his brain or whatever. Why yep. introduce that with some yep. random doctor from I guess the Stargazer, which is, talk about a ship that like that's even further back than the Enterprise. Why the heck would he? Yep. Why would he? Anyway, over Beverly Crusher, why would he talk to this random dude? So. He, this abnormality thing happens just to like fake kill him. We knew like it's called Star Trek Picard. You renewed a second season. Like he's not gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> like we know that. that like... So, so can I can I share with you what I is like because I knew that he would come. The moment they introduced that golem thing, I was like, the moment they did that in like that second to last episode, I knew exactly where this was going because I have seen Star Trek Into Darkness. Was like I know how this works. Mm. You kill you kill things. So that we can feel sad for a second, and then you bring it back. It's like the world's worst peekaboo trick. It's like, it's like, and I'm just like, I get, I know what they were doing, but a small part of me began to hope. But because I knew that they had a second season greenlit, I'm like, what if Picard dies doing something heroic at the end of this, and then the new crew he's crafted decides to stay together, renames the ship they're on the Picard, and then the second season is about these characters going out and trying to fix all these things that Picard, like, basically they become the, like, almost like, like, uh, like, as you feel, like, apostles of Picard to go on and fix the universe that has been, become so broken. Yeah, again, that that sounds like a great TV series we'll never get. I know, I'm like, this is, it's like, that's what I want to happen. I know it's not going to happen, no. but that's what I want to happen. Think, because, <laughs> because they think people are dumb, and they think that it won't sell, and they need the name, and they need the person, because that's all they care about. They care yeah. about the, he, who's going to drink tea? Yeah. Who's going to have Earl Grey tea hot? Who, who's going to say engage if, if he's dead? Yeah, yeah I, I felt the same way, too. I thought if you actually, I know, because while it was happening, I was like, they're not going to kill him, but... A part of me was like, if you did, though, 
I actually yeah. respect you. Like I respected yeah. when, when they killed the, the girl at the beginning. You know, yeah, Soji's like, sister. I was like, I, I can't believe this. This is this is wild. You've tricked us. Yeah. But yeah. no. But in both cases, they like they they give they give you the the emotional punch, and yeah. then immediately like no 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 it's okay it's okay <laughs> we didn't do it we didn't do it it's fine it's it's like Chewbacca and Rise of Skywalker it's oh. just like you can't you can't do this to me anymore <laughs> yeah and that's the thing like again I would have respected it if if that was the moment where Chewbacca died I would have been like wow that was like that took real kahunas to do that but no yep. they just keep doing this like ah no it's okay everything's fine everything you love is still here you, you don't cancel your subscription exactly he's alive you'll be fine he's so fine he's in a new body but he's not he's not immortal <laughs> they, they, make, they make sure to explicitly say he's in a new body same number of years he would have had otherwise everything's exactly the same he just doesn't have that brain thing anymore it's like it's almost like that brain thing didn't, didn't even, matter. even matter and didn't <laughs> exist and was irrelevant the whole time <laughs> yeah uh, so wait wh where in here are the two things you liked so it's like the two things that i liked is like are is like are quite 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 small one of them is purely visual and the other thing is like is actually more once again just about actors okay like just doing good stuff so the, the thing is purely visual is actually so in Star Trek Beyond we have what I thought was going to be the most outlandish ridiculous Star Trek visual that we'd ever get that of a starship surfing on a giant wave of exploding robots as they play the song Sabotage by Beastie Boys absolutely and I'm like surely there's no way that we can top this it's it's happened this is the most this is, we've jumped the shark this is the most ridiculous <laughs> shark jumping visual we've ever seen i love it this is great it's like picard came close with a it's like fleet of romulan warbirds engaging in all-out warfare with a bunch of giant orchids oh yes the orchids <laughs> yes yeah and i'm like <laughs> Okay, nothing. If nothing else it comes out of this episode, this is probably the weirdest thing I've seen on television. Is like in a good twenty-four months. So. And and I will say, like, I, I'll give the cre credit where credit's due. This show is is beautiful in terms of yeah. the way it's shot, in terms of the visuals it's used. I think sometimes it's a little too much, but still, it they've put money into this. The visual oh, effects are great, and it looks good. Yeah. I was having a trouble at the beginning, at the very beginning, because, like, the very first scene in the whole show uh, takes place in, like, a dreamscape version of 10 Forward. Yeah. From, like, the, it's, like, and it took me, like, a solid 10 seconds of the scene to realize that they were in 10 Forward. Yeah. Um, simply because everything from, like, the lighting to the cinematography is so different. It's so different. It's, like, that it was, like, it became almost impossible for me to determine. So... It is one of those weird things that, like, as good as the production value is to this show, the fact that it's so good pretty much divorces it from the TNG even more so that it's like it's impossible to show that say that they're the same show no, by yeah. like by sound or sight alone. Yeah. But all that said, it provided us with this ridiculous space battle between <laughs> giant flowers yep. and Romulans, yep. and so I'm like, sure, sure, we might like I'll take it, I'll take it. This is fine. Um, the other thing was actually I enjoyed some of the banter between Picard and um, the doctor. What's her name? Uh, Agnes. Agnes. Yeah. I was trying to think like... about her name this entire time. Yes. I can't remember. Yeah, her name's Agnes. Yeah. So I love the actress that plays her. Her name's Allison Pill. She Allison was Pill. the 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 female drummer in Scott Pilgrim versus the World. She also um, had a big role on the Newsroom, which was a great yeah, great HBO yeah. series. 
Yeah, and so she's like, I, and I, like, while I think her character in this is possibly even more um, inconsistent than Raffi's is, like, her as an actress, I think, just really is able to bring, like, the kind of, like, wonder and curiosity that is inherent to Star Trek to the screen, and so it was fun to watch her and Picard interacting while he's trying to pilot the ship, and she's like, so what's this plan that you got here? And he's like, you know, I'm trying to pilot a ship for the first time in 30 years without exploding, she's like okay one impossible thing at the time like, yeah this, I'm like, <laughs> something I'm like, like oh, that yeah. is, i'm like okay this is kind of nice i like this and then there's the moment where she discovers that they have this weird like magic device which mm-hmm. is it's effectively just the magic device yeah um, it's magic allows, <laughs> but like the, the way that she like i don't like the device but the way that she gets there the idea of like the picard maneuver the yeah. idea of being able to look like there's more than one thing is, yeah like, and then when she turns around it's like if only we had this thing she turns around and her face is just like like 10 of her faces around her and then yeah. she's just like doing that like really big smile i'm like okay that was like so that just little microcosm of a scene and the giant orchid space battle mm. i'm like those two i'm like okay i can get behind these okay okay i i won't fight you on those things because they are <laughs> visual and they're they're you know they're i, I do think they will. yeah I, I was reaching hard oh you're reaching you're reaching yeah yeah because yeah, there's, so, there's <laughs> so much garbage in that episode that i just i what i will say about Agnes, um, even though there's a lot of inconsistencies and I, they did the thing that I, I didn't want them to do, which is, oh, she did this really crazy, horrible act and now we're just going to kind of ignore it and forget about it. Um, yeah, literally at the end, she, there are no repercussions. No repercussions. <laughs> even, even looks like emotionally not as much as you could have had. Like, you no. know, you could go real deep with this. Um, she is, I like the idea of her and, and from Discovery, it's, it's the Tilly character. It's here is a younger person who's just kind of excited to be there. And it, and yep. the wonder that is left in the universe, you see through their eyes. You see the, like, excitement and the wonder and this is cool and, like, the excitement. And I like that. I like having that type of character here and involved yep. in that type of thing. But, again, it's the execution. But I will say I, I do like that idea of having that character around. Yeah, like, and, like, and I think that she really, like, the actress nails it in so many times. It's like, and, it's like, and really makes me actually, like, feel that, as you said, like, childlike wonder of, like, isn't this, isn't this fantastic? That this is, like, and, um, it's like, yeah, it's like, and unfortunately, she was stranded in an otherwise not very good show. Yeah, yeah. And, and so the thing that I, I kind of want to, um, talk about is the end of, of the finale. So once everything's happened in the crazy space battle with the orchids and everyone's saved and we fake out death Picard and whatever, they clearly set up what will be, I guess the, I don't know what the premise is going to be for the second Picard because they get back in Rios's ship and they basically warp out of there. He just, you, we got to get him to stay engaged at the end of it. That's what he has yeah, to do. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but they do this shot where they pan and you basically see, where all this crew's at like you you see agnes and rio's kiss which mm-hmm. like again so the as the camera's panning i was like don't care yep okay they kiss don't care no yep. establishment there um raffi and seven nine are getting to know each other they hold hands don't care uh nope. that came out of nowhere and you've established none of that but whatever um mm-hmm. and i just i i feel this feeling like they're gonna try to make you think that it's gonna be this group that's going to gallivant around the galaxy but that's clearly not because that's not what the show is and even like discovery is not that and the kurtzman universe is not that they they always do something to to separate characters and to have little micro adventures 
and to do some storyline that has to kind of exist throughout all four episodes, even though there are like kind of one-offs that there's this like theme that goes through all of them. Um, I don't, I don't know where this is going, but it's nowhere good. Like I got no, I had no feelings. This shot's panning and it's these characters I barely know interacting with people that as far as I'm concerned are strangers to them. And then Picard says engage at the end and we have this shot of everyone sitting there. I'm like, why is Elnor still there? Why is yep, Seven yep. there? Like yeah, she's just abandoning. Nine, why are you, or don't you have to go range? Somewhere? Yeah, what, what, yeah. Aren't you? What you're just abandoning what's left of that Borg ship. The, the whole point of you being there was to do something with it, and and you're yeah, just. Yeah, I, I literally just had a like a, a idea of like I guess really the ex Borg have actually found themselves the perfect place to live because yeah. they have now found this planet with all these synthetic like people who won't have the prejudice against them that other people will. She can have the peace she's clearly I guess yeah. looking for. Yes. Yeah, so she, that, that she's, a, nice she's a ranger now, you know, like yeah. seven of nine, the ranger. Like, I just, I don't understand why she's there. Well, oh, that, rem- that uh, reminds me, it's like, this show has probably the most disturbing thing I've ever seen in Star Trek before, oh, which yeah. was that we the thing with her, that. like, de defa- like, facto son of, like, removing the Borg implants Each without other. anesthetic from yeah. that, it's like, the person from a Voyager crew, I'm like, that was like straight up brutal. Like I yeah, actually had, I about. had to like literally look away because I'm like, what is this? Oh, that's what the that's the most violent, brutal thing I've ever seen in Star Trek. And I kind of like again, I understand what they were trying to do. They're trying to show you why Seven of Nine would be where she is. It and, certainly made me hate that person. A oh, one hundred percent. But but the person lasted one episode. Yep. What is the point yeah. of making me hate someone and then killing them instantaneously? Yeah, wouldn't it have been good if the person that was doing this to this person was actually, like, the main bad guy of the series so that Seven of Nine's, like, story could have been, like, interwoven? Yeah, with but them, may- so, like, maybe, you know, that that, that uh, Commodore O could have been a red herring and it was actually that female sister of Narek who has a name, whose name I don't remember. Maybe she could have been this person, you know what I mean? Like, you could have yeah. given us a, a, a protagonist and an antagonist and have them face off. So that that last fight means something. This is like like the the ending to this is also kind of ridiculous. It's like this is a person, Commander is like uh, Commander O or whoever she is, Commodore O. Oh yeah, yeah, is like who has basically um, spent her entire life devoted to this thing, absolutely a hundred percent certain of it, and then because one synthetic person decides not to open the portal, which now every synthetic person knows how to do, they're like. We trust them. Yeah. They're not going to do anything. We'll leave. We'll leave. And I'm like, no, you wouldn't. No, there's no way. (laughs) There's no no way. No, they'd fight the Federation ships. They would be all out battle. Yeah, they would would straight up go for it. And there is a moment where I was kind of like, all right, I guess we're going to see what happens when a bunch of sovereign class Federation go up against new Romulan warbirds. And then they didn't. And I was like, on one hand, I'm kind of happy they didn't because that would be very like very like not star trek and we should take like an entire episode to deal with the outcomes of that battle yes. on the other hand there's no way that you just back down like that <laughs> it's like a lose-lose situation with this series it, they could go certain directions but then they'll probably be just as disappointing as them not going <laughs> yeah. for it you you could have done this but really it would have been just as bad as what you yeah. decided to do so we might as well just not do it <laughs> no and the whole the whole like each thing i i i i thought was unnecessary there was no reason to do it in that way and even if you do why not make it a character that we hate throughout the whole thing it's it's like if you're going to give us an an awful moment have it pay off. 
have yeah. the emotional payoff, but but it just I mean clearly it broke seven, and I just don't get like even her like the two or three episodes maybe it's three or four there's only a handful of episodes of seven and nine's in I'm yeah. like I don't I'm not as interested as people seem to want this series wants me to be in what she's doing like mm-hmm. I get why she's in this series I get why she would have some sort of connection with Picard but but I guess not because they have no connection they had one conversation. Oh. Yeah, they have barely any conversation, and then there's so much that happens to her in this show that would be, like, interesting to see the outcome of it. So, like, she basically reassimilates herself for, uh, like, as a, as a queen, it's like, for, it was, like, a brief moment. It's like, and, um, never discussed. No, we're never, and we're never going to. No, she, she's obviously going to fall in love with Raffi, and we're never going to talk about anything. Like, (laughs) there's not going to be any sort of fallout to anything we just saw in this series. And that, that I think makes, uh, that makes to me no sense and makes it bad. Because even the episodic, people complain about Star Trek because it's episodic, but the episodic episodes with major events always have fallouts. You always see connection back to it, and it does always come back and there's discussions about it and characters return and things that there are consequences to actions it's like there's just no consequences to anything that happens here no no and there's like there's no consequences there's no like actual like punishments for anything that was bad that was done there is no way to like actually say like oh even to the point they're like Picard gave his life to save these people. I'm like, he had a pre-existing brain condition. He didn't like. He was literally going to die in days. It was like, he, yeah, he, he just died a little bit earlier and not probably really connected to this. He didn't sacrifice himself for <laughs> no. this at all. You no. should not feel bad for that. It's no. Like, and the thing is, is that I just I know they're not going to go anywhere, and it makes me like I always with every even with the other Star Treks, you always give them a season. I think. I think the yeah. first season is always rough. You find your footing. I did it with Discovery. I gave them season one, and I would watch season two. I, I don't even know if I want to watch a second season of of, uh, of Picard. Like, I have no interest in the third season of Discovery. I'm not going to watch it. I watched. I gave them two seasons. I don't like where they're going. I don't like it. Picard, yeah. I don't even know if I want to give them a second season. Because I just, I just don't see, where is this going to go? Yeah, as I, I can't really understand why Picard would stay with these people. There is yeah, wouldn't he go home to his vineyard and his Romulan friends? Yeah, it was like so. There was something interesting. One of the interesting things that I started thinking about while I was watching the ending is because um, it reminded me a little bit of the it's like um, start like the movie Star Trek Generations, the first TNG movie. Yeah, because Captain Kirk dies at the end of that movie. Yes, and um, when he dies, he dies on a planet. It's like alone with no one knows that he's in this timeline. And he dies with a person that he's never really spent any time with. He doesn't know this person at all. And it's, it may, it did make me think a lot about that when I was younger, about the idea that like, as you go through life, you're going to pick up these people that are yeah. like, in like, like pretty much like monumental to your development as a person. And when you think of your life, you couldn't imagine them like being there without them. Yeah. But at the very end, when you're is it when you're like passing on, it probably won't be all of them. Maybe even any of them that will be there, yeah. just like to chaper- like to chaperone you off. And it was like kind of a weird feeling I was having when I'm watching Picard die. It's like these are the people he spent the last couple of days with. It's like, but they are not the people who shape his life. No, they are not. It's like, and it is like I think that is a very weird and interesting feeling to be like 
watching someone like die surrounded by people who are crying for them when they are not the people who you think should be there. Yeah. The people who should be there to watch him pass are the people from TNG, yeah. like in your head, in my head. Yeah. Um, no, and, and you bring up a good point. And the thing that, that I, I guess, in a sad poeticness that I, that I thought they did do well with Generations was with Kirk's death is that idea of one last mission and in when push came to shove even if the people have thought kirk was dead for years yeah. even even if it meant him dying he was going to help a captain because he's the captain of the enterprise and he's yeah. he's a starfleet captain so that kind of gave me the sense of like that to me meant that was who captain kirk was it's like oh we're going to go to because even there's a great scene at near the end when they decide to go and Kirk decides to help him where he says, so what, this is a planet, odds are against us, it's just you and I. And he's like, yep, sounds like fun. And he yeah. goes. And he's like, that's it. Like, great, fine, let's do it. And there was almost a poeticness to it and a sadness, whereas this death, well, fake death, meant so little and so yeah. nothing to it that all those, I didn't even get to that sort of philosophical thought that you did because I just thought it lacked purpose it lacked, which can happen. Yeah. Death doesn't always have purpose, but in terms no. of like a dramatic moment and the way people were taking it, they weren't setting it up the way it was happening. It was yeah. very weird. Yeah, but it's like it's it's it is interesting to me and something that I've always thought that like even from something bad, you can still sometimes get interesting thoughts and interesting things out of it. And I think they do. They had it on their mind because later, like immediately after, they show Data dying somehow. Yeah. Like, I still don't really know what happened there. But yeah, I don't even ask me to explain that. No. <laughs> but when he's dying, the person in his like mind who is there to see him pass is like Jean Luc Picard of old. Yeah. Like the it's like the that captain is like the person that he would want to be there at the end to kind of like shepherd him off into this like the next stage. And it's uh, it just it did make me start thinking about that. At least like there was some interesting thought to be had, even if it wasn't from the show. Even if I had to do literally all of the work to get it, yes, it yeah, did, it did uh, provide something interesting. Yeah. Well, and I guess like let's let's go into our final thoughts because we've talked for over ninety minutes about this, and again, I could probably go on for four hours, but but <laughs> the, the download rate would be really low. Um, so. Let's um let's kind of just give our, our final thoughts here. Like I I, I want to you know visually this series is stunning. I can mm -hmm. understand that there's money that's been put into it. I think there's some great uh, visual moments. I think that even in terms of the way some of the episodes are directed, it's quite mm -hmm. nice and quite lovely. Um, yep. But I just overall I just can't stand the lack of character development when I see potential and the poor writing that is clearly meant to let's drop an f-bomb because it'll be cool and to me i see right through that i see right through that i'm doing this for my own vanity versus i have a really cool story and it makes a lot of sense for this character to swear in this moment okay. um which i think is a is a to me is a huge difference and i'm just using swearing as an example it's the same with every dumb thing that happens yeah romulan ninja warriors is cool but give me a reason why it needs to exist 
And then it becomes, to me, less dumb. There's lots of things that, uh, as an outside observer, you would look at Star Trek and be like, well, this is stupid. This is a dumb episode. It, the one I was describing, what, the, the Captain Picard and his crew suddenly become Robin Hood and his merry men? Like, what? what is going on? But the context they set up allows you to enter that world and allows it to happen, and you see the reactions of people around you that make it feel like it would it would make sense and make it feel like it works i think this series is lacking a lot of things heart is one of them i think it has a lot of surface heart but it doesn't have the deep down um real power heart i want to say something and it's a big problem i'm noticing with how things are written now versus things used to be written i think that um, this current generation of writers lacks some heart um, and that's anyway. That's how I feel about Star Trek Picard. Why don't you give us your your general overall thoughts? Yeah, yeah. I think I was. We've been pretty much on the same line all the way through. Um, at the beginning of this whole exercise, before I started watching, I wrote down five questions that I wanted to be able to an- like ask myself at the end mm-hmm. to see. And um, I thought it was going to be a more interesting exercise because I thought that I'd have different nuanced like answers. But the answer to pretty much all of them is uh, no. So. The first question was, can I can I enjoy this show as a Star Trek property? And the answer is no, no, I cannot. Like, okay. is, like yeah. as, as much as is like, as much as um, I knew that that was probably going to be a hard sell from the from the beginning. Yeah, it's like, but as for all that they try to do to bring in the Star Trekness, be it the characters, the old technologies and stuff like that, it still just doesn't keep the spirit. Um, question number two was, can I enjoy the show as a science fiction property? And while this comes the closest to being a yes, the ending basically kills it for me to the way yep. that I can say no. Like I even agree. though there's some interesting ideas that they play at, uh, they just drop them all at the end, and nothing gets is like um, resolved in a meaningful or satisfying way. Um, if question three was, does this show diminish TNG in any way? The answer is no. No, it does not. It's like the the, orig- the next generation will always stand as an amazing show. It's like maybe this is what happens in the characters' futures. They all have futures. No one knows what it will hold. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. One way or another, when you is like when you actually watch the show itself, it's like nothing that happens in the show could ever take away no. like the uh, the greatness that was no. that original. And then the other one is: Does this show add to TNG in any meaningful way? And obviously, the answer is no. No, <laughs> no, no it, does, it not. does not. It does not. That's the thing: is is even though I I liked what they they did in terms of that episode with Riker and and Troy, I just feel yeah. like these writers are like, okay, no one can have a happy ending though. Like yeah. no no one ever can have a happy ending. It's like, oh yeah, Troy and Riker, they're definitely married and Picard's gonna go to them for help. Okay, well they're probably in, in good shape and, and they'll they'll kinda help out. No no no, they they had a son and he's dead. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, and that's, that's how I've always, you know, I feel about discovery and I feel about this is the darkness that these writers want to bring in is anti to what Star Trek was. I'm fine with different sci-fi and even Star Trek discovery. I've said time and time again, call it something else. And it's, and I probably could enjoy it as a sci-fi series, but the minute you put Star Trek or Star Wars or Mission Impossible or James Bond or Double Ocean, like whatever. When you put those properties in front of something, there's an expectation, mm. uh, and I don't think this the, these particular creators are meeting that expectation. 
No, agreed. And I guess that brings us to the very last question of mine was, will I be awaiting a season two? And um, <laughs> uh, I, I definitely won't be waiting for it with bated breath. Um, I probably will give it the benefit of the first episode mm-hmm. um, to see what they plan to do with it. Yeah. And I'm sure, just like this one, it'll provide enough interesting things to string me along until they eventually let me down as they can season in episode 10. Yeah. And then it'll likely go the way of... It's like of uh, discovery as I was for you in terms of fool me once, shame yeah. on you, fool, fool me, me twice, twice, shame on me. On me. <laughs> no, I, I, you yeah. bring up a good point. Like I might, I might watch season two of Picard, like, but just binge it once it's been out for a while. Binge all of it and just see how the second season goes. But I gotta tell you, I, I will not tune in for a third season of Discovery. And if I do convince myself to watch the second season of Picard, I know that's gonna be it. Like I'm not gonna fool myself three times. Like I'm not even giving Discovery <laughs> released like some sort of like preview image that I saw on Instagram or something, and I was like, no, nope, not even interested. Like don't even. Nope. It doesn't even at this point make me curious, which is what will probably make me watch season two of Picard is I'll just be like, but I'm so curious. I want to know what's going on with these characters. I don't really care about Discovery's characters anymore. I, they're not even characters. So I, I hope it doesn't get to that point, but I, I think that's what will happen. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's like at least we'll have some time before the next one comes out. If they do end up, because even though they greenlit it, it'll take a long time for them to make if we do end up being in quarantine for like six months. That's so, true. They can't start uh, filming right off the bat, you know. So we'll at least have some time to let the wounds heal so they can reopen again later. Oh, yay. It's just, it's like my <laughs> dating history. Like, that's basically, it's like, it's like you, you date someone, you go through a breakup, just enough time for the wounds to heal for it to <laughs> open again <laughs> we always go back yeah exactly yeah it's 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 i always remember the um i think well a couple captains have said this though like there is a a woman in my life and her name is enterprise um yep. that's how i definitely feel about this series it's like i'm gonna i'm gonna keep coming back because it's star trek and i'm gonna keep getting hurt because yep. uh, that's the way human nature is um, well, thank you, Tyler, for doing this. Like, I, I found this really helpful. And I, again, I could talk about Star Trek for hours, um, but uh, trying to keep episodes somewhat, uh, somewhat <laughs> down, downloadable. And we're into, yep. we're into an hour and 40 minutes now, so we'll probably end it off here. But thank you again for doing this. And I'm, I'm glad you found the time uh, during your, your self-isolation to, uh, to talk Star Trek and, and, get get some of these thoughts out there because i think it's i think it's always fun to look at a series all the way through like one season of something it's nice to do like a little retrospective oh yeah definitely it's like, i always love doing these it's like i could it's like there isn't enough like excuses in my life really to be able to talk about star trek for at least an hour and a half so it's like any is like any chance i'll always take it yeah yeah absolutely well hey all you're always welcome on on this podcast because uh I'm glad to have a Star Trek fan to talk things through with. Uh, Taylor would never watch an entire series of Star Trek, so here we are. Um, But thank you, everyone, also for for tuning in. This was a special episode uh, of Screening in Kingston. Our normal podcast will be out still on uh, on next Tuesday, and we just did an episode uh, this Tuesday as well. But I hope you, you enjoyed this, and if you're Star Trek fans out there, write in and and let us know what you thought about it and we'll try to bring it up uh during another podcast but thank you again tyler for for joining us Uh, no problem my pleasure